chapter number 7 tonight, Matthew chapter 7, and we are uh, not preaching on the Sermon on the Mount tonight, but we are in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we are in the home building class. I feel like our, our time here in this class is few and far in between these days. It's been busy, uh, busy, busy. Uh, but we'll, we'll try to, we'll, we'll come close tonight, Lord willing, to finishing the foundation stage. Not a whole lot of material on the foundation stage. And then uh, we probably won't finish it tonight. We'll, we'll uh, come close probably the next time that we do this. Again, I'll be out of the country next Sunday night. I'll be in Albania. Uh, and then the next Sunday night is the Lord's Supper. It's the first Sunday night. Um, and so then it'll be the second Sunday night uh, in September that we'll we'll be back in here, and hopefully we'll finish the foundation stage. Um, I, I feel like it's been so long. Just to, if I could take four, maybe five minutes tonight, and refresh your memory, my memory as well, um, and 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 bring us along up to where we are. I won't go through all the details. Just just to give you the outline tonight. Five stages. We're building a Christian home and comparing that or relating that to a physical home that you would build with your hands, uh, hammer and nail, wood. Uh, five stages of the Christian home. The first stage was exactly that. It was called the first stage. It was close. Foundation was the second stage. The first stage was called the first stage. Okay, I just told y'all y'all are slow learners. The first stage of home building. Uh, and in that stage, we, we looked at three main thoughts. Uh, we uh, develop a plan. If I'm going to build a, a, a house, I need some kind of a plan. If I'm going to build a Christian home, I need some kind of a plan. What, what, am, what am I going to do? What do I want? Uh, develop a plan. Uh, determine the prince was a part of the first stage of home building. That's where you sit down and you, and you, and you look at the blueprints of what it looks like. Uh, well, God has given us 66 books of blueprints, and I promise you tonight, uh, if you'll read the Word of God, God will speak to you about things in your life. God will speak to you about things in your home. God will speak to you about things in your heart that you need to change. Uh, I, I, I got under conviction one time. Uh, and I've never been abusive towards dogs, but I, I, I had an old dog that just got on my nerves and just didn't fool with it none. And, and then I read in Proverbs where a righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, you, you, you're mean to that dog. You're not acting very righteous. And I had to get right with my dog. Now, the Bible will change your life. Uh, the Bible will change your daily activity. I didn't know there was a verse in the Bible that said if, a righteous man regarded the life of his beast. Uh, and I had to go apologize to that goofy old dog. Uh, get my heart right with it. Um, what I'm trying to tell you is that the word of God is the blueprint. It'll, it'll, it'll fix these things. and you, you don't even know what needs to be fixed until you read it and the spirit of God speaks to you. So we determine the prince. Uh, and and then, we, uh, then we looked and... Uh, we saw, we demolished the parcel. There's things that's in the way. They're in the way in your life and my life and they need to be moved out of the way. That was the first stage of home building. Uh, then we come to what we are in now, the foundation stage of home building. And 
looked at we looked at a couple of things. Uh, the priority of a of, of a uh, foundation, a strong foundation, it is premier. It is priority. Uh, it is what we everything builds upon. Uh, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. If Jesus is the chief cornerstone, then everything uh, can flow from that. It can go outwards. It can go downwards. It can go upwards. It is built upon that. Uh, that accurate cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if, if Christ is not the cornerstone of our home, uh, then it is apt to get out of line. Uh, has your house ever got out of line? Has your Christian home ever got out of line? Uh, I know mine has. Uh, I have. Uh, Jesus keeps it in line. The Word of God keeps it in line. Uh, I am subject to getting off track. I am subject to getting out of line. I got something figured out today but I may forget tomorrow. I've got, I got this problem fixed and found out I got another problem. Uh, and everything is back to and, and based upon Christ as the foundation. Uh, and our children, our, our spouses, our uh, grandchildren to come, uh, our generations after us deserve uh, 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 an upbringing that is uh, sound and build upon something that's solid. I, I, I want you to think tonight, uh, as we look around in, in, the, in the hour that we're in, uh, could, could you honestly say that things are the same today as they were 10 years ago? They're, they're, they're the same today as they were 20 years ago? Or 30 or 40 years ago? I, I, I was born in 1985. Uh, I, I know that wasn't that long ago, 37 and a half years ago. It's not that long ago, but I grew up in a different world. Uh, homes were different. Families were different. Family structures were different. Uh, the way people uh, behaved in many issues, it, it, it was different. Uh, I, and, and perfect then. Uh, but I have watched in my 37 years that the foundation beneath the homes have crumbled and crumbled and crumbled until kids growing up today and they, they have no idea of what anything, I'm talking about right here in America, have no idea of what anything right looks like. They, they, they deserve better. Uh, especially growing up in church, wouldn't you think? Uh, and, and I preach in a lot of places and uh, uh, I, I go to a lot of places. And there's a lot of people in church, and I'm glad they're there. I'm glad that they come to church. But they're in church, and they have no idea what to do with them kids that they brought to church. They have no idea what to do. Uh, everything is backwards. Everything is messed up. It's like, has nobody ever listened to preaching? Or maybe no one's preached. Has no one paid attention? Or maybe, maybe they just got in. I don't know, and I'm not trying to cast judgment. But what I do want to say is, is, it, is uh, it is alarming. It is concerning. Uh, that the foundation of the of the home is stripped away, and what is left is 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 wood, hay, and stubble stuff that 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 won't stand. Uh, let's 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 build a home that's based on the Word of God. Let's let's build a home with a foundation where our children can grow up, and whatever they do, that'll be on them. But they can grow up and say. I, I, I had something solid in my youth. It was solid. Um, and, I, and, I, and I don't want to throw stones and I don't, I don't want this to come off because, uh, man, we've got a lot of situations in our church that God's working out and working through and I'm glad God's faithful and he can be good in the middle of all of our bad and he is. 
but we've got kids today and they don't even know where home is. They're passed here and here and they're bounced back and forth and mom and dad and grandparents and, and this home and that home and, and, and every week a new place, every, every month they're in a new place. They don't know. Uh, there, there's kids in, in this generation and I don't think so here. Uh, I would hope not. Uh, but every month they've got a new daddy for a month and then he's gone, they get another one and they don't know who dad is, they don't know who mom is, they don't know, they, they, don't, they don't know, they have no foundation. What do you expect them to grow up and do? Probably the exact same thing that was done in their life. They, they, are, they, are, they are messed up before they're, uh, they know stuff that, that, that they shouldn't know till they get married and they know it at seven, eight years old. It's my job as a father. It is your job as a father, as parents to, to ensure that they get a good education, absolutely. To ensure that they have a roof over their head, absolutely. To ensure that they have food in their belly, absolutely. But it is our job and it is premier we ensure that they have a godly foundation upon which they can stand. And that, that, that involves the Lord Jesus Christ. That involves the Word of God. That involves the church. Uh, I, I, I know sometimes people say, well, I want, I, want my family, I want my kids to love the Lord. Do you want them to love the church? Because it's his bride. It, 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 if, if I want my children to love the Lord, I should also want my children to love church. If I want my children to believe that, that the Lord is premier and, and, and he is the foundation of life, then, then that's probably going to bring me to bring them to church faithfully because it is here that they find out about him. It is here that they meet his people. It is here that they become a part of his body and his bride. And the church is the one thing on this earth that is the picture of him. While he is not here, he has given the world two things, the spirit of God to those that receive him and the church as a witness of who he is. The Lord's Supper is important. Uh, uh, church membership is important. Getting baptized after you get saved is important. Uh, Sunday school is important. Fellowship is important. Getting here early enough to fellowship, staying late to fellowship, making sure your children get to hang out with young people that know the Lord, making sure you and your spouse get to uh, befriend people that are on the same page. It is important to your family because this is the body of Christ. This is where the foundation is laid. It's laid at home, sure. But this, as the church and the school, all of these things work, they, 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 they work together to build that foundation. I can't imagine trying to raise my kids for Christ apart from the church. Uh, I, I can't imagine, uh, and, and, and maybe it's because I started so young um, maybe so, but I can't, and, and maybe some of you, there was a time in your life when it was that way and it's not now and you're, you're grateful for it, but I can't imagine my wife leading me or, or to church or my, or my boys, Dad, are we going to go to church today? Uh, there, there's some things that, let, let's, just, let's just lay the foundation. This is right. This is what we're going to do. And it may not be what you have done, 
but somewhere along the line, make your mind up, clear you off a spot in the sand, and, and plant your feet firmly and say, all right, I've made up my mind. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is what we're going to do. We don't go to church because we're trying to uh, be somebody in the community. We don't go to church because we're trying to earn our way to heaven. We go to church because we believe that the church is the place that Jesus meets with us. He meets with us at the house too, but we know he meets with us at his house. And we believe that the church is what God ordained in these last days to be a light and example of this lost world. And we believe that the church is the place where preaching takes place and lives are changed. So it is without a question, that is what we're going to do. No questions. You coming with us, Mom? Should never be a question. Dad, you coming with us? Let's just throw that. Let your children never ask that question again. Go home tonight, tell them, I'm sorry that you've had to ask me if I was coming and I'm never going to let you ask me that again. Yes, I'm coming. If, if, if I have messed up everything real bad and, and, and I, have, I have fought with my wife, fought with my children, fought with my boss, whatever, and I am in the worst day, worst mood of, of, of my life, unless I'm in the hospital or sick, you don't have to ask me. I'm going. Church should be the, the, the goal of our heart. I don't want my kids to doubt that. And I'm not saying me, I'm saying me as I speak for all of us. Uh, a foundation, it is priority. Everything you build upon after that builds upon the foundation. Uh, not only did we look at the priority of, the, uh, of a of a uh, strong foundation uh, let's see if I can remember I don't know if I can remember the next one so I'll have to I'll have to look it up uh, the priority of a of a solid foundation and then the pattern of a solid foundation we looked at it a few weeks ago that is uh, that is Christ as the chief cornerstone everything that I'm doing uh, that's why reading my Bible is important L- listen to me for a minute all right this, I know it's elementary it's simple but listen to me for a minute how am I going to learn how I am supposed to be as a father. Or ladies, how are you going to learn how you're supposed to be as a mother? Uh, Or a husband, or a wife, uh, or a young person uh, without an example to teach. Number one, I should be that example to my boys. I should be. Number two, uh, and let me ask you this, if they become what you are, would you be satisfied? If not, then let God change what you are because they are becoming what you are. I don't want to run that one by you again. If they became what you are, Mom, Dad, would you be content? And if the answer is no, then you might want to start working on who and what you are because you are what they are becoming. Every little boy is, is, is becoming like his dad in so many ways. Every little girl is becoming like her mother in so many ways. Uh, Most of the time, we're not wise enough to pick up on what makes people great. Your your mother and father have great qualities. Most of us are not wise enough to pick up on what made them great. We we pick up on their their error. We pick up on their faults. We pick up on their downsides. Uh, if, if my kids only got from me what was great in me, I would be grateful. Because there are some things that I can look at and say, man, I got that right. 
But what it is that aggravates me so much is they never get that. What I see in them that I don't like or am upset about is all the things about me that I don't like about me. Why do you act like that? I ought to, you know. What's wrong with you, boy? My daddy used to, well, my daddy used to say a lot of things. Um, what's wrong with you? And what it really is is that what I'm upset about is, is why are you acting like me? Oh, it's quiet. But I can't tell him that, either one of them. What's wrong with you? What I want to say is you're acting just like your daddy. But I got too much pride to say that. And so I blame it on his mama's side of the family. <laughs> um, solid foundation. Let's let God change who we are and what we are. Let, let's look tonight. We're going we're gonna to look at the pressure of the foundation. The priority, the, uh, what was the other one? I just gave it to you. The pattern of the Lord Jesus and his word. Tonight, let's look at the, uh, let's look at the, the pressure. And I think we looked at that a little bit uh, the last time that we met. We're in Matthew chapter number 7 this evening. Uh, I'll, I'll do my very best to get this to you as quick as possible. Uh, Matthew chapter number 7. I had a great time at the nursing home uh, this afternoon. Brother Seth did a good job preaching. Uh, and uh, the, the help that was there was tremendous. Uh, but uh, it, uh, it, it wore me out uh, between preaching this morning, there this afternoon, and then here tonight preaching this weekend, uh, and so I'll try my best to, to give this to you as quick as possible and, and let you go. Matthew 7 tonight, uh, verse, verse number, uh, let's see here, what, what verse? Verse number, well, I'm in the wrong chapter. Probably why I can't find it. Verse 24, therefore, and this has been the text that we've used as we've talked about the foundation, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, watch this, and the floods came and the wind blew. I'll read it again. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew. And beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. Wise man built his house upon a rock Three things the Holy Ghost said. Three things the Lord Jesus said. These red letter words in the Sermon on the Mount. Three things happened. The rain came, the floods came, and the wind came. Came to the house of the man who had built it on a rock. And when it came, the house fell not. Then the Bible said, verse 26, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. Now watch this. And the rain descended. And the floods came. And the winds blew. And beat upon that house. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. Notice, notice the difference of these two houses. It was not that the rain came to one and not the other. It was not that the floods came to one and not the other. 
It was not that the winds came to one and not the other. The same kind of life hit both houses. But what was different is what the one house was built upon uh, in contrast of what the other house was built on. One built on the rock, one built on sand. Uh, both houses endured the same kind of pressure. And I'm just going to tell you something this evening. Uh, the same kind of pressure is coming to your life as everybody else's life at some point or another. You can mark that down. I don't ride motorcycles anymore. I got one. I'll take it out. I'll ride it a little while but I don't ride off like I used to. Used to, I'd ride up to the mountains or I'd ride down to the ocean and now I just ride around Waynesboro. And I do that cautiously. And the reason why is because one day on the, on the seat of a motorcycle, it occurred to me, if you drive cars, eventually, what do you do with cars? You wreck them. It's just part of it. And you don't want to, but you do. Uh, if you drive motorcycles and you do it a lot, you are upping your chance of wrecking. And I just determined that me and asphalt uh, probably wasn't going to get along real well and I wasn't going to win. And so I cruise around this area and back roads and ride around and enjoy that. But uh, unless the Lord just, you know, unless I just get a dose of, you know, crazy. Uh, you probably won't catch me riding off somewhere anymore. I, maybe it's fear. I, I don't know. Maybe it's wisdom. Maybe it's neither. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just fear. Uh, but life has taught me that that kind of stuff happens. You do that. Well, I'm going to tell you something tonight. If you live, wind's coming. If you live, rain's coming. If you live, floods are coming to your home. They are no matter if you're a Christian or well, I'm a Christian. One man, the Bible said, was a wise man. And Jesus is likening him to people who obey the word of God. This wise man obeyed the word of God, had wisdom, built his house upon a rock, and yet he still had to go through the same stuff as the foolish man who lived his life carelessly and built his house on the sand. I'm glad you're in church tonight. I'm glad you got a Bible tonight. I'm glad you got your kids in school. Uh, I'm glad that you come to revivals. I'm glad that you read your Bible at the house. But I want you to understand tonight, we, we are not exempt from problems. We are not exempt from pressure. We are not exempt from life. And that home that you call home, if you've been living long enough, has already endured some stuff that you really don't want to go through again. Can I get a witness right there? I've been down some roads. I don't want to go back down. But I'm not naive. I know there's more roads coming. I know there's more rough weather coming. Three things that our Bible said hit. Uh, some of this stuff that I teach, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know if you can tell it or not, but I really enjoy teaching this class. I have more fun teaching. I, I love it. I look forward to Sunday nights most of the time. I'm going to be honest with you, though, tonight. This kind of stuff I don't like talking about. This kind of stuff, this, this kind of stuff I've kind of dreaded. I don't want to talk about storms. Let's talk about whipping kids and stuff. <laughs> you know, that's fun. I'm teasing. That's not fun most of the time. Every now and then it's at least fun to talk about. 
Uh, let's, let's, let's straighten something out. But I, I don't like talking about this, but it's a fact of life. I gave one of them to you uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago, the pressure of a solid house. Here's the first thing that the Bible said came to both these houses. The rain came. I'll give you the verses again in case you didn't get to write. But I, I put in parentheses out beside, out beside that. That is the blessings of God. More times than not in your Bible, rain is associated with blessings. When God closed up the clouds, he turned off the blessings. When God opened up the rain clouds, he turned on the blessings. When men were under judgment, the blessings of rain ceased. Their crops didn't grow, their fields wasn't watered. They, they lived in uh, poverty because of famine. And when God was through judging them, he opened up the rain clouds and it rained and it brought forth fruit from the ground. It was a sign of the blessings of God. And more times than not in your Bible, when it's raining, it's because God's blessing. And we know this much, God sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. God blesses lost people and saved people with the blessings of life. Before I got saved, I was blessed to be alive. And I can look back and see the hand of God blessing me even though I was not saved. And now that I'm saved, I understand where those blessings come from. Let me give you some verses tonight that back up uh, Isaiah chapter 5 verse 6. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. He said, I'll shut up the clouds, the blessings of God. 1 Kings 17, 1, Elijah stood before Ahab and declared there would be no uh, dew or rain for seven years as a result of the judgment of God. Uh, Psalm 58 verse 9, here's what the psalmist said, Thou, O God, didst send a plentiful rain whereby, whereby thou didst confirm thine inheritance when it was weary. He said, we were weary and you confirmed us by sending rain that blessed us. Acts chapter 14 verse 17, nevertheless he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons filling our hearts with food and gladness. It's not always the case, but many times in the word of God, rain is associated with the blessings of God. Now, here's my thought. Many of you have already heard it. I'll give this one to you quick and move on to the others. That home that you build has got to be on a foundation strong enough to handle them blessings or blessings can crush your home. Most people, when they have nothing and they start out, they, they start out with faith. They start out with, with contentment. They don't have anything. They've got an eagerness to, to live. And they start out, maybe they get married and they don't have anything but love. But they get good jobs and they get money and they get benefits and they get all of these things coming into their life and they have all their toys and they have all their bills and they have all of their stuff and their home is not built on the rock that is the Lord Jesus Christ and they cannot handle the good life. And it crushes them. And you've seen it. I remember years ago we were at the Redfield meeting. Brother Dean used to have the camp meeting. How many of y'all were there the year? Maybe none of you. I know my wife and I were. How many of y'all were there the year they got the mass choir up there on the platform to sing? I mean, kids from everywhere got them up there on the platform to sing. And all of them were singing there and then, uh, then, then they wasn't. They were up here and then they were down here. Raise your hand if, if Sadie, you were there, my wife was there. Is that it? Uh... You know what happened? 
it was a blessing. Man, there was probably 150 kids, 200 kids on that, on that platform singing. And man, that thing was built nice. But it didn't have that kind of a foundation. That was a lot of weight. All of them got up there to sing and they were singing. I don't even remember what they were singing, but it was good. I think something like I'm not going to hell or, or something like that. Uh, I've been blessed. We live in a country, the greatest on earth. That, that, I've been blessed song. It's probably what it was. It's been, it's been 14, 13, 14 years ago, something like that. Uh, anyways, uh, and, and, and it couldn't hold that. Now, that was a blessing. But that structure was not solid enough to handle all of them blessings. And what I've found is that most Christian homes don't crash. Most homes in general don't crash because of the floods, because they're rare. They don't fall apart because of the winds, because they're seasonal. They fall under the weight of the everyday blessings of life. You don't need God no more. You got more money than you need and you don't have to pray and ask God to meet your needs. Listen, that's not a place to be embarrassed. If you're at the place financially where you don't have to ask God to help me pay my light bill, that's all right. Thank God there was a time you used to but now you don't have to. But know that it could be that way tomorrow and keep praying. Pray God pay someone else's. But keep praying. Don't quit going to church when you no longer need God to fix the mess that you spent the first half of your life making. And then he fixed it and now you don't need this anymore. Does that make sense? God's blessed you. God's given you what you asked him for. If you're not careful, you'll let that blessing be the very thing that crushes your home. That's why we need a solid foundation of the Lord Jesus and the word of God because of the weight of the blessings. You pray for a spouse, God give you a spouse and that's what ends your whole Christian walk. Because that one you're praying for ain't what you thought you was praying for. And you found out they're like you and they got a will of their own too. And you butt heads and You've been married long. You've butt heads before. I promise you. Everybody who's married, look at me and go. The nodding of the head. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to figure out how to get along is what you're going to have to do. You say, well, how do I do that? Uh, go back to the foundation stage. Find out what the, what the pattern looks like and get stuff in line. And quit trying to line him up. Quit trying to line her up. You line you up. The pressure of a solid foundation, it can withstand the rain, the blessings of life. Let's, let's look at the next one this, this evening. We'll look quickly. Um, what, what did he say? Uh, the rain descended and the floods came. I thought, uh, what, what do they represent? And I, and I know that when Jesus is speaking here in, in Matthew 7, he's literally talking, Brother Chris, about rain. He's talking about, he's not talking hyperbole. He's talking about rain. He's talking about floods. He's talking about wind. He said, hey, buddy, build your house on something solid because real rain's coming, real floods are coming, real. But he's also making a uh, comparison to faith in Christ, to obey in the word of God. 
And so I thought, what do the floods represent? So I got to looking up the word floods in the Bible. Uh, here's, here's, what I, here's what I found, uh, several verses in dealing with floods. And here's what I wrote out in parentheses out beside, uh, not only can uh, the, uh, the, a solid foundation, we're looking at the pressure of a solid foundation, not only can it withstand uh, the, uh, the rain, which is the blessings of life, but it can withstand the floods. And here's what I put in parentheses, the attacks of the enemy. Let me give you some verses. Uh, Isaiah 59, verse number 19. When the enemy shall come like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord lift up a standard against him. So you have an enemy, you have him coming against God's people like a what? A flood. Jeremiah 46, verse 8. Egypt riseth up like a flood. And his waters are moved like the rivers. And he saith, I will go up and will cover the earth. I will destroy the city and the inhabitants thereof. Israel or Egypt, uh, an enemy of Israel in Old Testament economy said, I will rise, or it says, Egypt riseth like a flood headed for Israel. That's an attack, a wave. A flood attacking. Let's look at another verse. Revelation chapter 12, verse 15. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might curse her to be carried away, or that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. 2 Samuel 22, 5. When the waves of death compassed me, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. Song of Solomon 8, verse 7. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. So the Song of Solomon said that, that, the, that the love that I have can't be drowned by the floods that's trying to drown it. Uh, 2 Samuel 22, 5 again. When the waves of death compass me, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. Do you see where I'm coming from? That if the rain, at least in part, symbolizes the blessings of God that's beating upon the house, weighing it down, then the flood symbolizes the attacks of the enemy that's constantly coming. And a lot of times in seasons and in waves. I, I want to say this to you tonight, and I want you to hear me. If you've been saved a little while, I don't have to tell you, but let me remind you. There are waves of floods headed for your marriage, headed for your home, headed, I'm talking about deep waters, headed for your children. I, I brought it up this morning, I'll bring it up again tonight, what Brother, Brother Stroud preached uh, Friday night, um, where, where Rizpah was fighting off the buzzards and the beasts. Rizpah was fighting off the buzzards and the beasts and it was relentless attack. It seemed like it always kept coming. One thing I have found in 2023 in raising children is that it never lets up. One th by the time I figure out one thing that's, that's come on the scene that I'm gonna, 
I'm going to guard and keep this away, then I find out there's another thing that's coming. And y'all, are y'all hearing me tonight? I, I need my home to be so solid on the rock that when those floods come, we can hold hands and hunker down together and figure out how to get through it. If not, we're getting washed ashore. We're getting washed out. We're getting washed down. We're getting washed up. If you're going to make it, if your home's going to make it in this hour, you're going to need more than a feeling. You're going to need more than an attraction. You're going to need more than you're going to need more uh, than a part-time religion. You're going to need a made-up mind. I'm in this for the long haul, and I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do it the best that I can. I'm going to let the Holy Ghost change me. I'm going to let the Word of God change me. I'm going to make sure the foundation that I'm building on is strong and the strongest foundation that we've got is the Lord Jesus and His Word. That's what we need to go back to. There's guys on TV. There's girls on TV. There's guys on blogs, girls on blogs, how to raise your family. I'm not going to say that they're not that uh, they don't have good ideas. I don't read them. Probably there's some good ideas that you can get, but that's not a solid rock you can build your life on. I I, I would be weary of counselors in this hour because most of them are pagans and atheists, and they don't have a spiritual world. But maybe help. But that's not what I would build my life on. And I appreciate Christian counselors and I believe they can help us but that's not what I would build my life on. You say, what would it be? I'd get me a King James Bible and a prayer closet and I'd get my family and I'd say, we're gonna have to figure out how to live for God if it kills us. And I'd get me a church and I'd put them in there, I'd plug them in there, I'd raise them up every time the doors was open. I don't care if they were cleaning the church, painting the church, or mowing the church. I'd be there with my kids because that's the best place I know in this world to keep them out of trouble. Where are we going? Church, we were there yesterday. I know, ain't that a blessing? What are we going to do? I don't know. We'll find something to do. Serious about, about a foundation. You come over here to clean. If they're big enough, you can keep them in sight. Bring them over here with you. Why? Keep them in sight. Don't let them ride on the walls. Keep them in. Why? Let them know. This is what we do for the Lord because we love him and his church. This is the place that God has given us. Make them, teach them to love the Bible. I said make them, you can't make them, but teach them to love the Bible. Read it to them. and Read it to them again. Explain it. Find good stories and read them to them. Talk to them about it. You read it. You love it. You linger or you long for it and, and watch God do something in their life. Teach them to give. Give when it's easy. Give when it's hard. Give all you got sometimes. Do it for the right reason. 
I had, if I tell you this, you think I'm, I'm well off, I'm not, I just, I got little savings accounts, that not in the bank, but I get a little cash, cash hard to get rid of. I'll, I'll write a check. Oh, yeah, I'll write a check. Swipe a card. Oh, yeah, I get cash. I'm like, eh. Become Scrooge McDuck. I had a little bit of cash. We was in this meeting this week. And uh, it was in my, in my console, my truck. And I'd been holding on to it, hoarding it. Didn't want to spend it. And, and it was sitting in there, and we, we went to, uh, we were at this meeting, and, and a young man they stood up and testified he was going to Bible college. And I won't tell you how much it was, but it was a good significant amount. I mean, it hurt my feelings. Uh, and, and I I said, I'm going to give something to that boy. And I said, I'm going to go get $100 and give it to him. And on my way out there, so proud I was going to go get this $100. And I opened the, I opened the center console and pulled it out, my little wad of cash I had in there, just for rainy day stuff, you know, or sunny day stuff. It don't matter to me. I, it's a good time or a bad time. If I found something I needed or wanted at a yard sale, I got some money. Or if I got a flat tire, I got some money. Rainy day or sunny day, it made no difference. It was just in there for a day. But not that day. I got a little water cash out there and I pulled $100 out of it. And I thought, I don't know if that's the Lord. Or are you telling me to give more? He didn't say nothing. I don't know if he said anything. I don't know. I was like, well, I ain't giving no more. You ain't telling me this is enough. Closed the door and started heading back in there. And I was like, oh. And I could see Josh Adams in my head. Josh Adams is the biggest giver I know. He just, just gives all the time. And I'd seen Josh. Said, what would Josh do? And I said, Lord, that WWJD ain't what Josh would do. It's what would Jesus do? I went back. Got every bit of it out, brother. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. I went in there. I handed it to the boy. And I said, put that in your pocket. I said, I... I want to be a blessing to you. I told my wife, we got in the car, and I felt bad about it. It bothered me. I wasn't real happy about it. You're supposed to be a cheerful giver, but let's be honest. Sometimes you, I hope I heard from the Lord on that. I told her, I said, I gave every bit of that. She said, you did? I said, yeah. I'm glad we've been married long enough, and she's watched God long enough. She trusts me, and she trusts the Lord. Didn't fight me. I was fighting me. I said, I'll be honest, I don't know. If I heard from the Lord, she said, it'll be all right either way. You, 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 you can't go wrong doing the right thing even if God didn't tell you to do it. You mean God's got to tell you everything to do? Why, why you got to wait on God to tell you to do the right thing? I'm talking to me. I said, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I didn't need it anyhow. It had been sitting in there for three months. I ain't used it. I obviously needed it. He needed it worse than I did. I don't know if the Lord wanted me to do it or not. Well, I'm pretty sure he didn't not want me to do it. He wasn't mad about it. I'm pretty sure God is not mad about it. Hey, that's something that would be pretty good to teach our kids. Just go ahead. Do it. 
Go ahead and do it by faith. Just go ahead and do it when you can and when you can't afford it. Go ahead and give it all. Go ahead and give it all. Every time I get there, I can feel the brakes. Oxygen leaving the room. I'm going to hang out here for a minute because I'm enjoying it and y'all are not. Some of you. Go ahead and give it all. Give till it hurts. Teach your kid. Quit talking your kids out of giving. But don't give that. You, you ain't going to have no more money. No, they got God. They need a foundation. I, they, they need to watch you do the right thing and then sit at the, at the breakfast table and say, let's sit here and pray. We gave God what belonged to him and we're going to have some bills this week we got to pay. I don't know how we're going to pay them. Let's pray and ask God to do something real big. And then come Monday when God shows up and does something real big, as soon as they get home from school, you can say, hey, y'all come in here. Let me tell you, you remember how we gave to God and we couldn't afford it? You remember how we prayed at the breakfast table that God would do something big? I want to tell you, he did something big. Foundation. Foundation. Include them in it. Let them know. Well, I don't want them to know we're struggling. Why? You don't have to tell them about everything. We're going to lose the house tomorrow. You know, you don't have to take it. You're going to be homeless next week. You don't have to scare them to death. Hey, we got a need. We believe God. We've done what God's asked of us. I want y'all to get in here with me and let's pray. and Let's ask God to meet this need. And when he does, don't you forget to run back and thank him and bring them with you and shout all the way. Look what God's done. Because there's floods coming from hell. And they're after their hearts, they're after their minds, they're after their attention, they're after their desires, they're after your children. Go ahead and get you a big stick and swing off the buzzards and the, and the beasts of the air. Go ahead and get you a big dose of faith, give it all to God and stand and fight for what's right and don't let up till Jesus comes back. Keep checking that phone. Take it away if you have to. Replace it with something if you have to. Keep, keep checking. Keep checking behind them. Keep, keep following up behind them. Keep investigating and investing in them. There's floods coming. There's influencers. That's what they call themselves, influencers. You want that influence in your child's life? TikTok stars and hip-hop stars and Instagram stars. They're all naked on Instagram. You know it. And they need a home that is prepared because it's built on Jesus. 
in a home that can withstand the floods of the enemies because they're never going to let up. The atheists are not going to quit preaching. The sodomite community is not going to quit preaching. The adultery crowd is not going to quit preaching. The, the, the movements of this hour of communism and socialism and liberalism and every other individualism and every other ism in the world is coming after your child and your marriage. I like what Joshua said. As for me and my house, y'all do what you want. We done made our minds up. I made my mind up for the whole bunch, he said. I think Miss Joshua was on board and probably the children too, but I think he just made his mind up for the whole bunch. We're going to serve the Lord, me and my house. And some, some, some men, the greatest thing you could ever do is just go ahead and make up your mind for the whole bunch. We're going to serve the Lord. We're just going to. We will serve the Lord. Because there's too many floods coming that's going to wash us ashore. Let's look at the last one and we'll be done. What were they? 716. Man, how the time flies. What, what was the first one? The, the, the rain? That's the blessings. The floods? That's the attacks of the enemies. Here's the, here's the last one. The wind. What I put in parentheses next to that is that is the storms of life. He said, well, isn't that the same as the floods and the rain? Not, not necessarily the storms of life. The rain is, is that really, it symbolizes the blessings and the weight of it. I want to live for God when things are going good. I want to need God when things are going good. The, the floods, that is a, a constant, steady onslaught of an attack. It is overflowing waves. The storms, that, that don't have to come from God or the devil. That's just life. If you live in Kansas, you're going to fight tornadoes. Missouri. If you live in Florida or the Gulf Coast, at some point you're going to be in the eye of a hurricane. If you live in Minnesota, blizzard. If you live in you know, an Asian company, Tsunami, or Asian country, Tsunami Company. If you live in California, earthquakes. If you live in dry climates, fires. Natural disaster storms. They're coming. So what do people do that live in those areas? They build houses that accommodate that. You go to the coast, you find the houses are a story above the water. If they're not, it's because they hadn't learned their lesson. You go to Kansas, what do you, you, you find houses that are built with, with, with certain wind uh, regulations. They're able to endure a certain amount of wind. They claimed 
and I agree with them that this little alley that we live in, right here, our church is in, is a tornado alley. And there's been three or four of them that's come through this area. We had one come across our backyard last year. Uh, a couple, a year before that, there was one half a mile down the road crossed over. Uh, we've, had, we've had some big ones come through, tore down the dairy barn uh, where I live now. It used to be a dairy farm, and it wiped it all out. Uh, this, 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 it's a part of this little strand through here. And so when we built that tabernacle, we had to, we had to build it to a code for a high wind zone. And so the concrete's bigger than it is in most places. There's more concrete under the ground than most of the time you'd have to put because of the wind zone. Now, I'm, I'm close to being done. Storms. And they're coming. They're a part of life. I wouldn't ever want it, and neither would you, but people go to the graveyard every day. Hospitals are full. Nursing homes. Jails hold our loved ones. Divorce. Disease. Death. War. The storms of life. Wrecks. Wretchedness. I'm not trying to depress you tonight. They're coming some way or another in your life. Once or twice a year, what do we do? We watch the news and we say it's going to be a bad storm. We call people we love and say, hey, you better hunker down, there's a storm coming. We don't live in fear every day, but once a year, twice a year, that storm will, and then we'll come out and the sun will be shining and we'll say, praise God, it missed us. Until the day it don't. And then we say, well, we're going to have to figure out how to pick up and clean up and move on. But you know one thing I've always found standing when everything else is falling is the foundation. That means you've got something you can go back and build on. And usually people who survive a tornado, I've seen that the whole house was gone except the little bathroom in the middle that was still anchored to the foundation. And the family was in there. Matthew 14, Peter walked on the water. The wind, in Matthew 14, when Peter walked on the water, the, twice the Bible talks about wind and it called it contrary and boisterous. Mark 4, 37, and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat the ship so that it was now full. The Bible called it a great storm of wind. Acts 27, the Bible talked about when, when Paul and, and, and the, other, the others and Paul was a prisoner heading to Rome and he was in that storm. And, and the Bible called it a tempestuous wind. Acts 27, 14, and then called it a Eurocladon, which is a, like a hurricane tempestuous wind that storm came it's coming alright so what am I to do what am I to do I, I thought about, about that 
And I, I wrote down some things, and I thought, this is what we do, this is what we do, this is what we do, this is what we do. And then it occurred to me, really just simple, one thing. Be real. Be real. What do you mean, preacher, be real? I mean who you are and what you are. Be real. Have the real thing because it is a hope that is an anchor of, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. When that storm's coming, if you're phony, it's going to blow you away. When them flood comes, if you're phony, you're gone. But if you are real, I mean your faith is real, your life is real, you might have to pick up some pieces, but you've got something to hold on to. Give your kids something that's real because problems will test it and it'll prove it. Uh, two illustrations. <clears throat> Three illustrations. 1993, the blizzard. Y'all remember the great blizzard of 93? I don't know how bad it hit down here, but where I grew up, it would snow once or twice a year, still does. North Georgia mountains, Cahutta, um, uh, Georgia, Cahutta area where I grew up, Barnell, Dalton, Tunnel Hill. <clears throat> the, the blizzard came, and we were ill-prepared. It was March, and it was way past blizzard time. I was seven and a half. I'd turn eight at the end of that year. It was March, and so I, well, maybe just barely turned seven. I remember we, we, we didn't see that kind of snow. And it, two foot snow drifts, a foot of snow everywhere, three, four foot snow drifts in some places. I mean, it snowed. And it snowed and it snowed and it shut everything down. And we were not prepared. Our county was not prepared. They could not, they could not get everything cleaned up in time. The power went out. People died in that. It wasn't prepared. We, we had a kerosene heater and we didn't have any kerosene. That's what people do when they know something's coming, but they don't believe it. Bought the kerosene heater, just didn't get the kerosene. I mean, we might have had a tank, you know, but it only lasts a day. You don't think it's going to go any longer than that. You know, I just got stuff for a day. It would be good. We had bread, though. Everybody got bread. We had kerosene for a day. Kerosene run out. Phone lines were down. We didn't have a four-wheel drive at that point. We didn't have a whole lot of money. Didn't have a four-wheel drive. Daddy said, we're going to your grandparents' house. My cousin Toby had come by in his four-wheel drive truck just because he wanted to play. And he was checking on everybody. Y'all all right? He's just playing what he was doing. He had a Toyota pickup truck, and he drove by playing. My Uncle Chad got my grandpa's tractor stuck, his truck stuck, and his skid steer stuck. Just playing. So the only one who we knew had a vehicle, Toby, come by, and it was a single cab Toyota pickup truck. Uh, in 1990, let's see, Seth was born in 94, uh, so it was me, my dad, my mom, uh, Caleb was born in 1990, and Daniel was born in 92, so Daniel was just a newborn baby. Uh, and, and Seth wasn't even born yet. And, and we loaded up, Mama and the baby got in the front seat, Daniel and Caleb, uh, or, or me, Daddy, and Caleb got in the, uh, in the back of the truck and rode three miles to my grandparents' house in the blizzard weather. 
because we didn't have no heat. We wasn't prepared. Uh, <clears throat> we got to the hill, and my grandpa lived. On, my grandparents lived at the top of a hill. They had a, a long, tall, straight-up driveway. It was concrete, but it was just just straight up. And they had a big old house set on top of the hill up there, and overlooked all of the valley. Real pretty place. And, and I, I, Daddy told me, put on your boots. I put on my cowboy boots. They were slick. So I took a step up the hill, slid back down the hill. I'd take two steps, slide back down the hill. I crawled up the top, ill-prepared. You know what everybody in North Georgia did after that? My grandpa just passed away. And uh, before he did, one day I was down, and he passed away last year. Before he did, I was down in the basement one day. I said, Paul, is that that generator you bought? He said, yeah, I bought that after the blizzard. Never had to use it. I said, no. He said, I bought it in 1993 after that blizzard. He said, I went out and bought a generator, and it was a big one. He said, I told myself I'll never be in the dark again. We was a week and a half without power. He went and spent who knows what on that generator. I said, you've never used it? He said, in all these years, I've never used it. He said, but if I ever need it, I got it. And we all thought, Man, wouldn't that have been nice to have had that before? But it costs too much to have the right thing. And we don't think it's ever coming to us, and we don't pay the price to have the right thing. But let's just go ahead and plan on the fact that rain's coming, wind's coming, and floods are coming. And let's just go ahead and have the right thing so when we're, when we're faced with those things, we're as prepared as a man can be in this world. I heard somewhere, I'm done. I heard somewhere, you remember when Katrina hit? There was a big uproar. A bunch of people were upset. 2005, Katrina just washed out New Orleans. And there was a big upset because many had said we had told them and told them and told them the levees couldn't hold that kind of water. And if it ever came, this whole place was literally built below sea level. And it would wash. People kept building. People kept ignoring the signs of this is deteriorating and we need to fix it until it was too late. My wife and I in 2015, went to Lahaina, Maui, our 10th anniversary. I had a great time. I wanted to go back. I'm not going back anytime soon. Unfortunately, the place just burnt to the ground. Terrible, horrible. People died, horrible things. Just recently happened. I was listening to somebody the other day, and, and they were on there, and they lived there. And they said, in the last 10 years, they said that the uh, wildlife management has gone to our federal government, our state government legislators in Hawaii, Maui, Lahaina, and told them there's an invasive grass and the climate is so dry here in between this mountain and the ocean and, the, and the, there's a funnel that's just, just right. If the winds come from a certain area, they just funnel down that mountain into this, into this area. And if there was ever a spark between the wind and the grass, this place would go up in smoke in moments and there wouldn't be hardly no stopping it. And they said multiple times in 10 years they were told that. But it cost too much money and too much effort to change the infrastructure and everybody just gambled on the fact it would never happen. 
until it did. I promise you what they'll do now, they'll fix all of that. But it's too late. God's given you a home. God's given you a family. And right now, God's given you the ability. I'm not talking about it being perfect. I'm not talking about you having all the answers, but I'm talking about you being real enough that what you have is real and you being real about what the possibility is and you being real with God and recognizing your dependence on Him and saying, God, I need you and I'm giving myself to you because there's things I can't handle, but you can. Lord, I love you tonight. Thank you for the attentiveness of your people. I pray you bless the teaching. Lord, use it for your glory. All who will hear and have heard, I pray God you'd speak to our hearts. In Christ's name, amen.